Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Conversations podcast, we, um, I think you just heard this on the little the little thing that plays before here, whatever those are called, the intro, I guess, the intro music and things that that we like to, you know, try to bring uh, your Sunday into your weekday through these things. That's really why we why we are doing this in the first place. We want you to take to carry on and take the Sunday application, the Sunday sermon, and really bring it into your weeks. Um, you know, we don't want to just leave. We want to be purposely biblical. It's one of our values. We we don't want to just leave the Sunday morning. Uh, experience what we learned on Sunday morning, how we're kind of going through the scriptures together as a church and just leave it there. We want to take that, take that Sunday morning sermon. We want to take the Sunday morning encouragement from one another, the the time we spend worshiping. And then we want to also just bring it into our week so that we don't, we don't just leave it on a Sunday. So that's why we're doing this. So if you're listening to this, thank you for participating. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for listening. Um, I am Jason, and with me is Tyler Jenner, who preached this past Sunday. Tyler, welcome to your own podcast that I get to host today. Thanks, man. Thanks for uh, for hosting today. Well, you know, um, yeah, you're welcome. Somebody, somebody's got a host, and uh, I'm glad it gets to be me today. So normally, oh, I'm glad only it's when you. we get to the point of going. Well, someone's got to do it. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I guess we could just say neither one of us are hosting today because uh, you're the host, but you preached. So instead of just doing that, it's like, no, I'm glad to get to host today. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody definitely has to to drive the ship. Um, it's me today, which which I think that there's probably some people out there that are thinking to themselves, oh man, I really like when Jason gets to do this because they get to hear more of Tyler, um, and then other people that are probably thinking, oh man. Jason's leading this thing again. This could go off the rails at any second. Uh, but and here we I are. I have to hear more of Tyler. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't think I wasn't thinking that, and I've never thought that. Um, but but uh, and I don't think anybody else is thinking that either. Maybe <laughs> the people that maybe the people that hear you talk about how much you don't like Christmas or the Thanksgiving Day Parade, maybe or those Disney. kinds of folks, yeah, or or Disney, they'd probably be like, "Hey, can we get less of Tyler here?" Um, yeah, that could which be is case. fair. That's really fair. It is a fair point. I mean, I I don't. <laughs> I don't disagree with them. Sometimes when I hear your Grinchy takes on Christmas, it makes me think, yeah, I think I've had enough. I think I've had enough yeah, of this right now. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Usually when the eye rolls, the eye rolls start coming in is when I know mm-hmm. I should, I should double down. Cause that means yeah. it's just being good. <laughs> Cause, cause it's, cause it's, <laughs> Because it's really close to getting really funny. That's the thing. It gets the eye roll start coming in. You're like, oh, we're so close to just pushing this over the edge to where it's going to be ironic. And the person that's rolling their eyes is about to start laughing and it's really good. The problem is sometimes uh, that same person that rolls their eyes um, isn't that close to laughing. And then true. you start to feel bad at some point and, <laughs> and then you joke. But let, let me tell you, uh, future comedians of, of America, if you're listening to this, there is something funny about just pressing through a joke that somebody doesn't like. Because eventually, if you just keep at it long enough, it'll get funny. Take it from a couple of seasoned uh, comedians, successful comedians <laughs> like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because who better to who who better to uh, to talk to you about comedy than us? 
<laughs> we've totally. proven ourselves on this podcast to be pretty funny i mean i feel like we could probably be doing some stand-up and everybody would would laugh but instead everybody we've chosen to not we've chosen to just forsake for the sake of mission and the gospel <laughs> our our careers in comedy to um do this podcast and uh and be pastors so we we do that for the sake of the lord um <laughs> the millions and millions of dollars we'd make in comedy um because you all think we're that funny we've just chosen to forsake it for the sake of the gospel it's, so that's it's what the we cross do. we bear it's the cross we bear yeah everyone's got to carry the cross carry their own cross you know that's kind of where we are so don't feel sorry for us everybody please don't feel sorry for us um <laughs> they're feeling you know, sorry for themselves right now listening to us <laughs> we are we <laughs> This is what we do. This is how it works. Anyway, we've gone off the rails. All right. That's what happens when I lead this thing sometimes. Uh, let's let's bring it back around full circle, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us for four minutes and 54 seconds or five minutes, however long it is with the 30-second intro. Thank you for being here with us for real. Um, we are in the gospel. I'm mean, not the gospel. That was last gospel mark. No, we are in the book of Ruth. Um the book of Ruth has been, it really has been so far for me. We have one sermon left in it, but it's been, um, man, it's been a good, a good book of the Bible to go through. Um, in, in full, in full disclosure, like I, I knew, I knew that we'd be spending time talking about the kindness of God, which is why I named, that's what I named the series. It is a major theme. Um, but I, I even think it's richer, um, than I, than I anticipated it being, um, for a number of different reasons, but just even to kind of, kind of sit and just, uh, I guess, soak up the reality of what that word has said means. Um, and, and everybody, like, even if we can just come out of the, the book of Ruth with, a, I think, a deeper understanding of that word and that character attribute, if you will, of, of the Lord, the way that he functions towards us and what that means for us. I, I think it's, man, I think it's well worth it. I think it changes a lot of how we even view him. And I, I think we, we got a question in here. We're going to get to in a second, but I think we can even maybe highlight some of that in, in the answer to this question that we got, which by the way, um, if you are out there and you've ever wondered to yourself during a sermon, oh, maybe I should ask this question, but I don't really want to, cause I don't want to, you know, it feels weird to ask a question. Let me just say, please don't. We love every question that comes in. And if you, if you've, you know, if you have any questions, like feel free to send them in. We, we really do. We really do appreciate that. It, it gives us kind of a, a way to process through and think through how we want to kind of take the, to put the podcast for that day. So, so anyway, uh, Tyler, you preached this past week on Ruth chapter three, the whole chapter. Um, it is a, um, it really, it really is an interesting chapter of the Bible as you, I, I thought you did a really good job of of pointing out there's so much going on there that could be scandalous. Um, and, and there's a lot happening there. So I, I, I loved that. Um, you got to preach that. Um, you did a really good job of it. So yeah, thanks well for, done. thanks for giving me the, uh, the awkward passage. Appreciate that. Well, you know, <laughs> I, in a, in a pre probably about, I would say maybe 10, 10 years ago, a little more than that, probably. I think, it, I think it was a 2010 or 11, um, one of my first sermons I ever preached as a pastor was Ruth chapter three. Um, and so I thought I already preached it and I'd forgotten kind of how, how awkward it can be. Um, so I gave that to you cause I already preached that, that chapter and I wanted to hear it from somebody else. Well, so, listen, I've, I've led uh, youth groups through, uh, you know, series on sexuality, 
Uh, and once you do that with, you know, junior hires and high schoolers, there's nothing that makes you blush. There's nothing that makes you uncomfortable. If anyone was comfortable talking about sexual innuendo as it relates to the Bible, it was me. I've been down that road with, with kids. <laughs> it's true. It's <laughs> true. I, I actually thought to myself at some point, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I would have handled this, but Tyler's doing a really good job with this. Um, Cause it is, it's a, it's an interesting chapter. It's, it is filled with so many things. Like, like I said this a couple weeks ago, everybody, um, the, the book of Ruth is a romantic comedy. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to be poetic. Um, it's meant to show romance. Um, and some of that is the, just some of the ways that, he, that this was even written, I think was meant to highlight some, some of those things, not in a, not in a crude way, but just in a way to highlight some of those things and, and to, to bring them out in a, in a, it's, I wouldn't say a comedic way, but in some ways, um, a comedic way, um, you know, because I think that it's just, you're, you're expecting one thing. You're like, what is going on? What's going to happen? And then you realize, no, no, Boaz, he is a, he's a man of valor. Um, actually I didn't get to say this, but you know, names matter, um, in, in the, the book of Ruth. And there's a famous phrase in the Old Testament when, it, especially if you read, if you've read through First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings, called a mighty man of valor. Um, David had a bunch of mighty, mighty men of valor. It was this way to, to constitute like these leaders, these men of character. A lot of times they were soldiers that just had this. They were an amazing. They were amazing fighters. They were amazing in what they did. And actually, the way that Boaz is introduced, you could actually in this whole book, you could actually, um, translate it mighty man of valor. So, so in some ways that's who he was and he shows it up. He shows it here. So, um, I thought you did a good job with that. Um, your, your, uh, big idea this, this week was those who get Hased give Hased. those who get this idea of this Hased love kindness, you know, stead, it's, it's, it's translated like you said this past week, so many different ways, uh, loving kindness, faithful love, steadfast love, kindness, whatever, all these ways, those who understand it, those who've received it, those who grasp it will wind up then in return, uh, giving that out. And, um, and yeah, th there was just, you brought out so many good things in here. You talked about the boldness of Hesed and the scandal of, of Hesed. Um, I do want to go first, Tyler, before we get any, any, you know, any further into this, I want to hit, um, we got a couple questions that were texted in. Um, I wanted to hit those first, um, if you let me do that. The first question I think is dealing with um, person to person, um, this idea of, of kindness given to one another. And the question is, um, essentially, uh, would, the, would the interchange of Hased, this kindness, this, this love that we, can, that we can show towards one another, sacrificial, over and above kind of love, um, wouldn't this interchange of, of this kind of thing um, wouldn't it fail to bless in the most complete way if we were selfish with it? If there was a selfishness that came along with my over and above kind of love, like for example, if I'm thinking if I show this to somebody, then they should show it back to me as I think is what they're, what the, they're getting at here with this question. Um, wouldn't it somehow you know, fail to bless the most? Complete? Is that, is that a, as we deal with each other, is that like a, Contin the, the blessing of a contingent upon my motives. Um, you know, can we take advantage of this with others? How, how do we, how would you answer that question as you've studied this, this passage? 
Yeah, well, I'd say like in, in the pure definition um, and experience of Hesed, uh, there's actually no room for selfishness. So just like, you know, purely definitionally speaking, um, Hesed and selfishness are, you know, oil and water. They, they don't mix and they can't mix. Um, they're they're uh, selfish would be an antonym of Hesed. Um, so they they there's not a way to actually, you know, show over and above kindness um, with a selfish motive, because if you're if you're doing something with the motive of I want to receive as a result of what I'm doing, you're not showing kindness, you're trying to earn something um, for yourself. So you're you're just doing something for yourself, which is not kindness. Um, hmm. It's it's selfish, right? So like in the one sense, no, um, or, or yeah, I mean, it would, it would fail to bless, right? Because you're not actually showing his head, you're, you're just being selfish and you're doing it in a way that's manipulative, um, which what I find really interesting actually about that is that the Israelites, and actually in our time and place too, the gods around them would have encouraged that kind of a relationship, a kind of relationship that is an over and above uh, kind of devotion for the sake of appeasing the gods, of staving off their anger. That would have been the understanding of uh, that's that's what idol worship is. It's why idols leave us so empty because they require everything uh, from us and yet they give us nothing. Hesed from God is the exact opposite. Hesed is when the person from whom I have the right to expect nothing gives me everything. Um, so. Yeah, it would fail if we tried to use it with one another selfishly. Now, at the same time, uh, as we try and express has said towards God, which I think is one of the calls for us is to have this this love of God. Uh, the greatest commandment, Jesus tells us, is to love God with everything we have. So to give him everything. But the beautiful part about has said is that we're going to fail at that. And um, we're, we're not going to do that perfectly because try as we might, we're sinful and we do have mixed motives and we do forget or we don't care or whatever. Um, but God doesn't change. God's covenant loyalty, which is one of the ways that has said is translated that covenant, which is a commitment to you and I loyalty, a, a, a never running out on that covenant um, doesn't change. It's not dependent on our performance. It's not dependent on how well we show has said to one another or to God. Um, it's never changing. And one of the words that is uh, translated has said also in our CSB is loving instruction. So the loving instruction of God that takes us from being people who uh, lack in our faithfulness towards God and each other. His loving instruction brings us along on this journey to make us more like him. So he's purifying our hesed, which isn't pure all the time. Um, he's even purifying that. His commitment is so great. His love is so abundant. That he's even purifying that um, for his glory and for our good. So I don't know if that answers the question. I guess it's it's kind of a complex question. It's yes and no. Um, no, we can't ever kind of uh, ruin that has said that we receive from God. We can't out sin God's grace. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, we can, um, if we are 
using kindness as a tool to get something that can fail to bless fully because then we're not actually walking in his said, even if we say we are, we're not, we're trying to get something out of it. Hmm. I mean, we're going to see a little bit of, of that in chapter four, um, you know, mixed motives because there's a redeemer closer to Ruth than Boaz. And we're going to see that he, he just says, I think in some ways it could be because he's poor. So he doesn't have the finances to do it. It could be because of set of status and his own inheritance, but he could, I think he had a choice to make. I can either, I can either redeem the land or, or Ruth, but I, I can't do both. Um, Cause it's going to, it's going to affect my own inheritance. There's something about me. That's not, so that's not really has said, you know, Boaz is Boaz is actually showing the kindness because it does nothing for him, you know, except for provide him a wife, which maybe you think, well, that is, you know, that's selfish motives, but really he's doing that to, to care for, care for Ruth. So yeah, we'll see a little bit more about that uh, this week, but I like, I like uh, that answer that you, that you gave. I do think it's both. And I, and I think the most important thing you said was that when it comes to the Lord, we're not, you know, he, he doesn't change. And so, uh, man, it, it's, as we think about the love of God, it's not even about my performance or lack of it. When it comes down to it, it's about his, his uh, love for me. And that's how I should relate to him in intimacy and, and how I, how I, in my prayer life and how I'm trying to get to know him is just this way to relate to him in such a way that I just know he loves me, even with my failures and my flaws and my, the warts that I have and, and my gifts and everything he's given to me. So, so it is not dependent. It's not like karma um, right. with him. Um, but we need to make sure we understand that. All right. The other, the second question we got is, uh, can you address why Ruth stayed there until morning? Was it, was it for her protection? Was she just trying to stay? Is that why, you know, she stayed there just to be protected by Boaz? Yeah, that was why. And, and I wish I had uh, two hours to preach instead of the probably one hour that I took. Sorry, guys. Um, cause I, <laughs> cause I didn't spend, it wasn't time. quite, it wasn't quite one hour. It, wasn't it was close. Hour. Sorry. Um, I didn't spend enough time on the end of that narrative. Um, yeah. So the, the simple answer is, yeah, she stayed, uh, for her protection. Um, it wasn't safe for her to go out to the threshing floor. Certainly would not have safe for her to bent to, to go, um, back to the city gate. Uh, if it had been locked, she would have been locked out, which, which likely would have been the case. So it was safer for her to stay. But that's that's even a qualified answer. It was only safer for her to stay because Boaz was safe. So uh, that that's an important thing that we can't miss. Um, you know, it, you know, we talk about this you know story being um, being a romantic comedy, and it, it is. But then also, it's a little anticlimactic in that sense from what we expect out of a romantic comedy. It builds up, you know, all this sexual innuendo. Oh, the couple is finally alone together at night laying down and they don't have sex. <laughs> they don't do anything. Um, and so that's important uh, because Boaz isn't trying to take advantage of Ruth. That's why she can stay um, and be safe with him. Cause he's not taking advantage of her. He's not using her um, for anything. You know, one of the things that I think our idea of romantic love in our modern culture really gets wrong is that romantic love, uh, you know, someone loves you if they lack self-control with you. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is like, actually, just tonight, I was doing dishes, I listen to country music a lot of times when I do dishes, like corny country music, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I do it, don't judge me. Um, and one of the things about uh, music, it's not just country music, but music in general is when when artists are talking about romance, it's this idea of like, you know, you can't keep your hands off of me. And when we're together, we just, we lose all control with one another. That's how I know you love me. When in Ruth, we see what, what the expression of love is the exact opposite, actually. Boaz and Ruth both show remarkable self-control because they're devoted to God and they're devoted to honoring one another. That's what Hesed is, right? Um, so yeah, he could stay with her because of that, because, or she could stay with him, excuse me, because he that that's real love it's self-controlled um not that there's no room for spontaneity or anything that's not, that's not what i'm saying but it, yeah. it it's measured it's it's careful it's thoughtful um love is safe uh and that's what we find with boaz so yeah she stayed and then also she left before the sun was up so that she could get back home before people saw her coming from the threshing floor because that wouldn't have been good for her or for boaz for their reputation yeah um, wrong opinion of what took place yeah yeah people would have assumed just like we would like oh you're coming out of that dude's house first thing in the morning well i know what happened there right so she goes uh she goes and leaves early in the morning before anyone's awake um so that uh so that you know you know she doesn't get caught there and and people assume um you know they had sex when they didn't mm-hmm. i mean in, in some ways as we as we've been Think about this some um, i've been i've been studying and thinking a lot through the song of songs um you know one of the things that kind of stood out to me about this passage and even what you're just saying um about boaz being um a safe he was safe you know she she was she didn't have to she didn't have to fear there he wasn't going to push boundaries um is that it's interesting in the song of songs i think in chapter four um when you get, you know, it is a, that, that, that book is a book on marriage and relationships, but really at the end of the day, it's also applicable for how Jesus relates to us and the church, you know, how, not, not in a sexual way, but just in an intimate way. And one of the things that I was reading kind of a, a book on it was, um, you know, she invites him in and he, he waits for her invitation. The, the, the woman invites, you know, the wife invites him and uh, Solomon in. And so, um, just even trying to trace that saying like, you know, the Lord, as we think even about Boaz, but as, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of types here going on. You know, there's sometimes Boaz can be a type of the Lord as the redeemer. Sometimes Ruth is functioning like that as a, as one who will never leave Naomi. Um, I mean, we have a number of things here as we could go through, but Boaz in some ways, you know, he's, he's functioning like the Lord, you know, the Lord, um, he's not, he doesn't force himself on us like that. He's not pushy that way. He is gentle, kind. He's, um, he's safe. There's something safe about him that we need to make sure we get and understand. Boaz, I think is a good example of that. I, I had, um, I had another question for you, kind of, kind of jumping off of that question, Tyler, which would be, you had this phrase, um, and I think it was from one of your quotes, um, from Michael Card, but just said like the, the word, um, the word has said is a world we're stepping into. Like there's something about this as a world. I just wondered if you could just take another moment maybe to explain that a little bit more deeply from the standpoint of, 
what does it mean that 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 word and you just you just kind of described it a little bit here but is is a world that we want to immerse ourselves in yeah there man there's a lot there so um you know just linguistically uh it's a world in that you know as i talked about just all the different ways that this word is is translated because of the depth of meaning you know for it to be translated 15 different ways in the csb is just wild one word translated 15 different ways and then on top of that to have all these hebrew words even in the original language it's pulling to itself that help fill out the understanding of this word and, and are, are needed even to help us capture the depth of God's kindness, his loving kindness for us. So linguistically, it's a world. It's got this gravitational pull of where it just pulls words in towards itself that help us to understand the depth of, of this reality of who God is really his character. Um, but because of all of that, it's also this world of God's character, of God's being, of the the way God acts and who God is and who he's revealed himself to be. It's this whole world of existence um, that is so other than what we experience in the world. We get hints of it. We get, you know, obviously we get flashes of the glory of God in creation and in one another. But when you start to look at the depth of his love, the depth of his kindness, this kindness that is so lavish and so consistent and so faithful and so free, grace is unmerited favor. You don't do anything to earn it. It's God just being who he is. It's this world uh, that he invites us into. Um uh, uh, you know, walking into, you know, the reality of who he is, this whole other being in whose image we're created. So it's a world that we recognize on, on a lot of levels. We go, oh, this has familiarity to me. And yet it's so much more than what I experienced in this life. And so you, you have the, the linguistic world, you have the world of, of God as he exists. And then even beyond that, it creates a world within the body of Christ uh, it creates a world within God's beloved of of has said love towards one another that again is unlike we can experience anything else in the world. Um, this this kind of love that, like God, is faithful. It's covenant. It's grace based. Uh, it's not judgmental. It's not harsh. It's gentle. It's safe. That word we use for Boaz. In in for some people, maybe you're listening to this going, man, I haven't ex- I have not experienced that in the church. Get it. I've also experienced church hurt. I've experienced the opposite of that in the church, and I understand that. But this is the ideal. This is what God's called us to. So then there's this whole world of our experience with one another. And then that even goes further because all of this culminates in Revelation when God makes the new creation and all things are as they should be recreated in the glory of God's has said. That's what new creation is. It's this place of God's loving kindness endlessly and at a depth that we will explore for eternity because it is so vast. So that's all, you know, those are worlds of uh, eternal opportunity to explore the goodness of God. 
Um, and, and that's kind of expressed just in a small picture in the difficulty of translating that word and, and how even the original Hebrew writers were just grabbing for other things to try and say, this is how amazing God is. This is how uh, eternal and expansive and good and gracious he is. Um, and so it's, yeah, I guess it's just the whole experience that we're invited into hmm. um, as, as believers. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if you could just spend even a, a little bit more time. You, you just, you know, you, you kind of got yourself to the new creation. You know, I, I think one of the things as going through old Testament books of the Bible that is, is helpful to, to make sure we all understand. And I think one of the reasons why we want to do it regularly is that it helps us understand how to read our old Testament through the lens of the new Testament. So one of the things you did a good job of was just saying, you know, everything that happens in Ruth, this, all of this has said love, it points towards, and it should actually culminate in our minds with the said love of God in the person of Jesus, you know, the, the amount of love that he shows to us, that he has shown to us, that he demonstrated when he, when he came here, he died for us. He rose again from the dead. He sent his spirit for us. He intercedes for us. We find our security in him. He, he is the one who, uh, is our life, you know, we, we, so, I, I mean, I wonder if you could just take, take a moment to just help us understand one more time, like as you brought us to the new Testament in Jesus on Sunday, and you just talked about the new creation, help us understand how to read our old Testament, maybe even the book of Ruth with the, with the new Testament in mind, maybe even we could say through the lens of the new Testament. Okay. So this might be controversial. Um, this statement is untested and it's, 100% my thought. So feel free to reject it if you don't like it. Okay. I'm but ready. as, as I think, uh, rejection, Ru the rejection dump button is about ready to, to get hit. So we'll see. Okay. If you goes. need to, if you need to hit it, just eject, you know, eject me out of here. Yeah. So okay. as I read and I study Ruth three, to me, Ruth three is to the old Testament. What acts two is to the new Testament. And what I mean by that is that, Acts 2, and people who are familiar with the book of Acts and familiar with the, the first century church, Acts 2 is kind of this like, um, and even some people still to this day are like, no, the church just needs to be as close to Acts 2 in every way possible. So we're going to meet in houses, we're going to have a communion meal every meeting, like there's that's happening, and, and there's churches thriving, actually thriving doing that, which is totally fine. But there's this, like, Acts 2 is the pinnacle of, for, for a lot of people, and, and I a lot of this resonates with me, with just uh, with the original apostles as close to Jesus as possible, walking out how Jesus taught them to love one another. And so you have this radical community. If you look at Acts 2, it is, it's just astonishingly, astonishingly loving the community. It says that no one had any need among them. This is right at the end of Acts chapter two. It's really short too. So it's not like it's, uh, you know, expansive, but it's this generous church where people are devoted to the word of God. They are devoted to one another. They meet together every day. They're devoted to prayer. And there's these signs and wonders that are happening. Um, and they're, they're not just happening, you know, for the sake of like a magic show, they're signs and wonders of love impacting people's lives um and in the midst of all that associated with all that is this selling of their possessions so that no one had any need 
So it's just love and care and generosity, you could say, has said all over the place in Acts 2. And it gives us this picture of God, uh, life with God is not just like a religious box you check. It's meant to be uh, this, this relationship where you are so filled with the love of God that you are radically loving neighbor as well. And I think Acts 2 gives us a picture of that. And I think Ruth 3 gives us a picture of that. And so we see hints of this in the Old Testament. Now, what's different in Acts 2 is they're filled with the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that's filled them. Uh, the Spirit hasn't come in Ruth 3. This is just people devoted to following God as they have experienced Him in the Old Testament um, through the Torah, which we find really boring. But if you actually take it for what it is, it's radically generous and loving. And they're just walking that out. Um, so as we read the Old Testament, um, we want to look and say, where where do I see God's character? Uh, how do I understand God in light of the story that I'm reading? And I think sometimes we read stories in the Old Testament and we just go, man, like you read the creation story and you go, that is just a display of God's power and glory and beauty. Um, it, it, it's really God-focused. I don't think Ruth 3 is any less God-focused, but it's perhaps more practical as far as how God wants to bring about that power and beauty and glory through his people. Uh, and it's through radical love of one another. And that's what we find in, in the book of Ruth all over the place. But Ruth 3 mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, it's just kind of spinning all around. Everyone's loving each other in radical, generous ways. Um, the mm -hmm. same is happening in Acts 2. Um, so you see like this picture of, Life with God is not just about, okay, I have right theology and I do religious duties. Life with God is about being swept up in his love uh, so much so that that I'm just captivated by him. I want to follow him everywhere he goes, do everything he does, and that's going to include loving others radically, um, as we find in the New Testament as well. So that's that's not an idea that's new to the New Testament. Actually, the law of God was extremely loving and generous, especially when compared to the laws of the nations around them. But even just on its face, to say that every seven years, you have to forgive people of all their debts and give them their land back. Like, think about that. Mm -hmm. If you are someone who owns um, it, it, property uh, in, in or, or yeah, it's it's yours, but it's really in the lineage of someone else, in seven years, you have to give that property back to them. Mm -hmm. Think about how generous that is, how yeah. radical that is. Like the law of God is radically loving and generous. And he brings that love through people. That's what we find yeah. in Ruth. That's what we find in Acts. That's what we find in all the New Testament. So I don't know if, if that answers the question or if I'm just ranting at this point. But no, it does. I mean, and I think that one just make one more connection on that point of the land. You know the reason that the reason that it that it says it in the law that that happens is because the land is doesn't belong to the people. The land is the Lord's, and He lets them use it. And the and I think that I think that when we think about that, what we want to be thinking is, I think, um, is like a king that owns his lands, who allows the tenants to farm it, to use it. He's given it to them freely. I mean, most kings make them pay for it, um, but you give it to them, you know, freely. And um, really the Lord setting himself up as the, as the king, 
He's saying, I am the ruler of Israel, which is why it was so offensive when um, the people clamored for a king. They didn't want, and he was, he was trying to tell them, if this happens, it's going to bring all sorts of trouble on you um, because the kings are not going to be gracious and kind and they're not going to be generous like me and they didn't care. Um, but when we think about that and we look at Jesus, who is the king, um, the king of all kings, it really is. He's just, he's who he's always been. And so when we, even when we read the, the Old Testament, we read Ruth, um, we see types, um, which if you don't know what I mean by types, ask me on Sunday. Um, and maybe we can talk about it later, but if a type is, you know, we read somebody in the Old Testament, they are, they're looking forward to who Jesus is to the people. So Moses in his own way is a type of Christ as he leads people out of the wilderness into the promised land. Um, you know, and we see Boaz here and Ruth here in some ways as well as types. And as we look about that, you know, we want to read our, our new testaments, um, wisely. Um, we want to see Jesus in them. We also want to see Jesus in the old Testament. And that's who, that's who it is. You know, let's not forget the scriptures in second, second Corinthians that, um, we behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ, um, or Hebrews, that he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. Um, you know, Colossians says the same things. So when we, when we see Jesus, everybody, that's who God is. That's who the God in Ruth is. He is he is walking with Ruth and Naomi as he did with John and Peter. And if you can make those connections and, and I would also say with you. And so yeah. if you can make those, some of those connections, I, I think it's helpful for us to read those because read it that way, go back and read Adam and Eve as if, as if when God interacts with Adam and Eve, it's, it's Jesus correcting Peter or Jesus correcting John and James. If you, if you can look at it that way, you're, you're doing good because that's exactly what it is. He's the same. He hasn't changed. And so we want to make sure we get it. Uh, this has been great. Um, I'm so looking forward to this upcoming Sunday. Um, it's all about the names on Sunday. Um, it's just, there's a lot going on with names. Uh, you don't see it when you first read the text. Um, but I think you'll see it. And, um, and then we have a, we have directly from Ruth to, uh, Matthew, uh, the genealogy, the section of the genealogy, is in Matthew, and um, and there's more to be said about that as well. So all of that's coming up this week. So grateful we get to go through this. Uh, Tyler, thanks for preaching this past Sunday. Yeah, thanks for leading the podcast. Looking forward yeah. to Ruth 4. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to seeing everybody Sunday. Hope you have a great uh, rest of the week, and we'll see you this weekend. All right, see you, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you'd continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God through reading the Word and praying, and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your Anchor Huddles and your Anchor Communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.